0: Hey, welcome to Holistically Hope with Rachel Poncillo. I'm Rachel Poncillo, and today on the show, we have with us Dr. Anne Wynn. Dr. Ann is a board-certified pharmacist, a certified health coach, an avid foodie, and functional medicine practitioner who finds and fixes the root of chronic health conditions, specializing in gut health, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Dr. Ann is also the host of the wonderful podcast Food as Medicine with Dr. Ann. And I was lucky to be a guest on that show in the past. And Dr. Ann and I had a blast, which is why I was so excited that she agreed to be on the show with us today. I'm here with Dr. Ann Nguyen today. Dr. Ann, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks so much, Rachel, for having me. It's been a pleasure having you on the show, and I'm honored to be on your show today. Yay, I'm excited. We're going to talk about something today that I think a lot of people are
0: beginning to become more aware of, and that's the connection between gut health and skin health. But what I really want to know from you is what is so significant about that connection? How are those two systems that you would not necessarily think would logically influence each other so much. How is that such a significant link and um, how do those two systems work together?
1: Yeah, you know, it's definitely not intuitive. Like, you don't think the gut and the skin, like, oh, they're connected, right? But, um, you know, going back to Hippocrates, who's the father of modern medicine, you know, he um, said that all disease begins in the gut. And I kind of like to reframe it in a positive way. I like to say all health begins in the gut. And so really, anytime there's something going on with the gut, you're going to see it manifest in many different ways. And oftentimes, the first way you'll see it manifest is in the skin. So if you're having toxicity and your, your gut is um, not functioning very well or your liver is not functioning very well, you know, um, you'll have like rashes or breakouts if you have sensitivity like I do to gluten or other foods, you might have acne, Um, you know, infections such as candida um, can be inside or they can be on the skin, um, you know, athlete's foot or other, um, you know, fungal infections on the uh, uh, nail bed or um, even just in the folds of the skin. Um, And then even deficiencies. So if you have a nutrient deficiency, such as zinc, Um, You might be more prone to acne or breakouts. And then um, even like omega-3 deficiencies, you know, you'll have dry skin, flaky skin, eczema, um, and not related to skin necessarily, but like even selenium, you know, if you're low in selenium, you'll have like hair loss. So, um, you know, a lot of things that could be going on with the gut that um, can be shown, you know, through the skin. And um, so, so whenever you see some symptoms of the skin, um, one of the first places you want to look is, is, is my gut functioning properly?
0: Yeah, that's, it's really fascinating to me. And I know that um, what you said about selenium is interesting too, because I know selenium is also linked with thyroid health. And I am starting to see more and more in my practice that a lot of people who come to me with skin issues also have some kind of thyroid imbalance happening at the same time
1: yes yes it's quite common and um, you know it's actually not even not very surprising because you know some of the soils throughout the country are so depleted of selenium that you know foods that are grown um, you know say in the uh, Midwest um, there's patches like in Illinois where there's just no more selenium in the soil so if it's not in the soil it's not going to be in the food and that's why we're deficient and and um, so it's not surprising that you're seeing it more commonly
0: That's really interesting because, um, I mean, deficiencies are certainly something that I think are becoming more and more mainstream knowledge as functional medicine and integrative medicine continue to spread throughout the United States and awareness of all of that. Um, So deficiencies would be obviously linked to absorption issues, but I really find it interesting what you just said about the soil. I mean... We, we know that the food system in this country is not necessarily, <laughs> is not necessarily designed to maintain health always, we can, we can just say that, but people don't always think as far deep down as the soil. People start to think of pesticides and stuff like that, but the nutrients in the soil is something that we really definitely need to look at too. That, that's fascinating.
1: Yeah, and you know, um, so... We used to farm and we used to um, replenish the soil. We used to rotate our crops. And so, you know, um, if we took some nutrients out of the soil, we would have a crop that we would put back um, the next cycle that would, you know, counteract some of the nutrients that were removed from the first cycle. Or, um, you know, I was learning from another guest on my show where um, back when the the Native Americans were planting corn, they would actually also in the soil put um, some fish in there. Mm. to replenish the soil with selenium and other nutrients. So these are practices that we no longer do. Um, and every year, you know, we're trying to get a higher yield. And um, and so I think definitely um, the source of, of all the food production is a good place to, to start. Um, and I know we'll probably talk about probiotics. And, and having good, you know, soil-based probiotics from healthy soils is also another Place you want to look if you're looking for a good probiotic as well. So that's, you know, um, they're, they're just a great kind of breeding ground for good probiotics, good bacteria, um, good nutrients. So if, you're, if you have good soil, you're going to have good um, crops and so on and so forth. So let's
0: talk, let's talk now about probiotics, because I think, again, this is something that a lot of people know that they should take. It's, it's something that you can go to a regular conventional drugstore and find. But of course, there are vast differences among the different types, the different strains, the quality, some are refrigerated, some are not, some are live, some are not. So let's talk about some of these different types of probiotics and what the best type for people to get started with might be.
1: Yeah, you know, That's that's a big question. You know, know, we all we all we all know that probiotics are good for us. We should be taking it. And I'm you know of the opinion that there's certain um, supplements that would benefit everybody. You know, and probiotics would be one of them. And so, um, and making sure you have a good probiotic is essential because, like you said, if if you know for some for some probiotics, they might be manufactured and on the date of manufacture have a certain number of colony forming units. Um, guaranteed in the batch, but over time, you know, the bacteria die off, um, and then you can't guarantee that, you know, you have enough strains um, to be beneficial. Um, and you know storage is an is an issue too. So making sure that it's stored properly, um, making sure you have a wide variety of strains, making sure you have at least 30 um, million colony forming units. Those are criteria that you want to have when you're selecting a good probiotic. Um, you know some of my favorite brands are um, like Claire, Therabiotic, um, You know over the counter, uh, refrigerated. You can find VSL3. Mm. Um, but but just depending on what your symptoms are, you you want to see where you want to repopulate. I guess in general for general health, you want to have um, a wide variety of strains, which is why I like the clear therapeutic. But um, you know if you're having you know yeast infections um, if, for females, or if you um, you know are you've got a leaky gut, or um, just depending on what issue you've got SIBO, um, you might want to look at you know, what is my microbiome, what's, you know, there, um, do I have too much of and what do I need to repopulate? And then that's where we can dig deeper and figure out, you know, what are the specific strains that we need to to add into the probiotic.
0: Absolutely. And do you find that people who have skin issues like acne or rosacea have specific strains that they need more of to help restore that balance?
1: You know, that's a great question. Um, So probiotics, I think in general, um, if you have like lactobacillus and bifidobacterium, those are two really good strains to have um, if you're having, you know, skin issues such as eczema and rosacea. Um, But I also find that uh, it's also linked to food sensitivities. So so removing what's causing the inflammation and causing the skin reaction is going to be Actually, quite important, and I would say probably even more important than um, the necessarily the probiotic. So I guess in functional medicine, if we take a step back and we think about how do we approach um, a symptom someone is is experiencing and trying to figure out what is the cause of that symptom, um, the first place is to uh, to remove the trigger, right? So um, so oftentimes um, triggers for a lot of people in terms of skin, gluten, dairy, soy. Um, those are the big culprits. And um, I, myself, I didn't even know, but I had a gluten sensitivity and I didn't know until I did an elimination diet. And I reintroduced gluten into my diet and I had um, eczema on my, on my um, hands. Wow. And so that's, that's when I knew, okay, I can't have gluten. And it wasn't, you know, I didn't know, like, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, I guess I did have eczema in the winter time, and I just thought I had dry skin. Um, but this was in June, you know, in the summer when I tried this diet, and um, and I was getting eczema in the summer. And I was like, well, that's weird. But as soon as I introduced gluten, and, I, and then I knew that was my sensitivity. So, so making sure we remove it, um, the triggers so, um, so that the gut can heal is one of the first steps to um, making sure that it doesn't happen again.
0: I think that's really important to note that until that trigger is identified and removed, adding the probiotics and doing other things to promote healthy skin is not going to be nearly as effective because that inflammation and that cause is still continuously introduced
1: absolutely and um you know i was going to uh, mention that with probiotics they make you feel better right and so you think that then the problem is solved, but the underlying issue is still there. And so, what you're really doing is you're putting a bandaid um, on, you know, on the problem, and then you're going on your merry way, thinking everything's fine. But really, you haven't fixed the underlying problem. And so, um, so oftentimes, actually, a caveat to probiotics is, you know, um, yes, it will make you feel better, but let's kind of explore further to see is there any, is anything else going on. Um, so, you know, thinking about the functional medicine. Um, uh, framework. So, remove is the first step. Um, repair. So, once you remove the trigger, you repair the gut lining, um, and you you replace um, what nutrients are missing. Then the, the fourth step would be re inoculating, which would be the probiotics. So, introducing probiotics too soon, um, like I mentioned, will make you feel better, but um, you've kind of missed all the, the first couple steps and um, you're not really addressing the deeper issue. And then the last step is to rebalance. So, once you've re inoculated, you know, rebalance your life so that you sustain this type of lifestyle. Um, and it's kind of, that's kind of the framework that we like to work under so that, um, that we're kind of fixing the root cause. Of the, the skin issue.
0: I think a lot of people have the belief because they see probiotics everywhere now, and I know a lot of nutritionists and health coaches do recommend them right away. Um, I think they're seen as kind of a panacea, like whatever you have, the probiotic will fix it. And mm-hmm. I think using them in that way is essentially an allopathic approach to it. You're, mm-hmm. you're just again, addressing a symptom, digestive symptoms, skin symptoms, without looking deeper. So even though it's a more holistic thing to do rather than take an antibiotic, it's still using it in that allopathic fix the symptom, put on the Band-Aid mentality. So I think what you just said there is huge about you still have to go deeper and there's still kind of an order of things that should be done for best results. That Mm. that sounds great. All right are there any specific existing conditions or people who absolutely should not take probiotics without knowing more? I mean, obviously everybody should look deeper, but are there immediate contraindications that people should be aware of?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, You know, so Um, One person comes to mind is um, Amy Myers, and she has an approach where, um, especially with people who have candida infection, um, she does not like to start probiotics in them too soon because you know her line of thinking and I agree with this is that um, you think of you know a fish pond and there's good fish and there's bad fish in the pond and adding a probiotic is throwing food into the fish pond and you're not just going to feed the good fish you're going to feed the bad fish as well so um, and in the case of a candida over overgrowth then you want to starve the candida um, and help the good bacteria thrive so if you Add a probiotic in too early, um, you know, you're you're just kind of spinning your wheels. So, um, so that would be one instance that comes to mind where um, definitely you wouldn't want to start a probiotic too early until you address, you know, um, the blood sugar regulation and um, you know fix the candida overgrowth first.
0: And you recommend doing that with an elimination diet, or are there any herbs or anything that you particularly like for that?
1: For candida? Yeah, so candida, um, definitely one of the first places to start is um, is nutrition. And so um, making sure that you're having a very low glycemic, low sugar diet, um, and, you know, um, making sure that you do a good clean diet for at least, you know, three to six months to help um, starve the candida. Um, you know that's kind of my first step. Um, I I'm always food first, supplements next, and then um, medications if necessary. Mm-hmm. So um, so oftentimes you know um, if we can get people there with nutrition, then um, then that then I'm very happy with that. Um, and then you know there's certain antifungal herbs for sure. And then um, you know if that doesn't take um, <laughs> take the candida down, then there's definitely um, you know Uh, uh, antifungal medications that they can take as well. But for sure, nutrition is always my first step.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I mean, I'm totally a person who avoids medicine, like drug medicine, pharmaceutical medicine as much as possible. But there are certain situations where once you've exhausted other possibilities, you do get to that point. Um, And I know that there have been a lot of developments on the functional and integrative pharmaceutical fronts where there are are specific ones that do target specific strains whereas other ones are kind of like a nuclear attack so there is progress in that area but getting to that point again has a process you don't just jump there and skip everything in between
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I you know coming from a pharmacy background I if you told me (laughs) like five years ago uh ten years ago that um I would be sitting here saying okay nutrition first I was (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't know if I would believe you, but um, yeah, you know, it's it's been quite a journey, and realizing how much a powerful role nutrition plays in health. Um, it's you know, I've kind of turned a 180, I suppose.
0: I think a lot of practitioners are starting to just return full circle to where it all began with that food is medicine mentality, because we're just seeing the power of what what it does for people when you focus on food first and then whatever follows follows. But it, 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 again, it goes back to, you know, if, if the food is not right, then it doesn't matter what else you do. And I tell my clients and my students that it doesn't matter what you put on your skin. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what expensive products you use or treatments. You're not going to have sustainable results if the cause inside is still there. And typically that is, some kind of a food sensitivity. Mm. So um, let's talk about how to figure out what those sensitivities are. I know we already alluded to an elimination diet, but I know now in functional and integrative medicine, there are so many diagnostic tests and tools available to help really pinpoint
1: what those specific triggers are. Can you speak more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um you know, one of the first things that come to mind is uh, as far as gluten sensitivity goes, um, there's a blood test that people can take um, with Cyrex labs. And, um, you know, it's not kind of like the, the end all be all per se. I mean, there's definitely, you know, 62 different strains of um, or ways that gluten can be uh, chopped up, and um, and so, you know, this test tests for about 10 of them, and um, before, we only used a test for one, and that was how people were diagnosed with celiac disease, so, you know, with this test, it's a step in the right direction, but it doesn't test for everything, so even if you come up negative on this test, you might still have a sensitivity, but there's just no way as of current for us to test all of the strains, but, um, you know, I like the Cyrex test for gluten sensitivity, Um and of course, the elimination diet works very well as well, uh, but you have to be very, you know, um, uh, adamant about checking labels and making sure you don't have. Um, you know, accidental accidental exposures to things, and so um, I think that's a gold standard. But it's really hard for people to implement. Um, but if it's implemented properly, you can identify gluten sensitivity as well as other sensitivities too. And um, but Cyrex is the first a good place to start. And um, you know, ALA tests also tests for other food sensitivities besides gluten. So anything from um, you know your ragweed to your um, nightshades to eggs to nuts all kinds of things so that's always a good test as well Mm. um as far as um, infections go um you know 401h Is a good test because then you can see if you have candida growing, or if you have h. pylori, or some other um, bacterial overgrowth um, to address in the gut, um, which can be manifested as skin reactions. Um, So that's one good test I really like. It's a stool test, um, and sometimes you know uh, different parasites um, they shed at different times, so you might have to repeat the test because you know you might come up clean, but then um, you know you just didn't catch at the right cycle um, for for the parasite to show up. So um, but the, you know that is a really good test as far as um, nutrient deficiencies go. Spectracell um, is really good because it tells you what's actually getting into the cell. So mm. you know, um, it's there's that saying you are what you eat, but it's really you are what you absorb yes. because. Because <laughs> if you're not digest- digesting well and it's not getting into your cells, then your cells can't aren't using it. Right. So um, the spectra cell gives you you know what nutrients are actually inside the cell. Um, so then you can see is there um, are there gaps or there holes in your nutrition that you need to address. Um, so I like that. And then as far as um, toxicity goes, there's. Um, like a urine toxicity screen. We had talked briefly about you know some copper toxicity that can show up as acne. Um, so doing one with a DMSA challenge can h- help identify whether you have copper specifically as well as other toxicities um, that you might be exposed to that need to be addressed as well.
0: Now, these tests are only really offered within the functional medicine or functional nutrition or integrative medicine model, you're not going to necessarily find this from an allopathic primary care physician. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> for sure. You we got to talk I,
0: about it because it's, <laughs> it is an issue. And I know that it's something that stands in the way of people being able to access this information about themselves. So I know it's kind of the white elephant in the room when we talk about this stuff, but it's really important that, you know... <laughs>
1: It, yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because, um, yeah, if you go to your conventional physician and ask for these tests, they might look at you like, what are you talking about? And Or if you, if you you know, some of these tests you can order online um, and then you say you want to know how to interpret them and you bring them to your, your conventional physician, they might not know how to interpret them. So making sure that you work through, you know, a naturopath or a functional uh medicine practitioner, someone who is well-versed in, um, you know, identifying um, what tests are needed and interpreting these tests um, so you can know what to do um, is important as well. So for sure, it's, um, yeah, these aren't tests that people, I guess, in the conventional world would be able to to order or or interpret for for you. And to be
0: clear, they are typically an out-of-pocket expense.
1: Yes, yes, I mean some of the food sensitive food sensitivity tests um, are covered by some insurance companies so you can investigate and see um, because that's co- becoming more of a mainstream um, thing but um, you're right for the most part they are out of pocket. Um, you know if you have an HSA, um, sometimes it's covered through your, your HSA as well, so that's worth investigating mm-hmm. um, yeah so but those are some options but typically not not covered by traditional insurance.
0: And that can be a challenge for people, but I know for my clients, and I'm sure you can probably say the same, that when you have that information about yourself and you're able to take targeted actions, it just improves the quality of your life so much that even if it's an out-of-pocket expense that seems high up front, I mean, just imagine what you'd be saving in the long run, not only from your bank account, but what you would go through with your health not having that information.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, um, we can kind of throw darts in the dark and see, see what happens. Um, and, and that's okay, but that will take longer. Um, so, but if you, if you want to take a targeted approach, like you were saying, the tests definitely help. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, you're either, um, I was talking to, uh, you know, some guests on the show and you either pay for your health up front or in the beginning, or you pay for it, um, in your later years. So you're going to pay for your health either way and, you know, to pay for it up front and have a longer and better quality of life, I think is worth it. So, Absolutely. but that's, you know, that's everyone's, I guess, individual choice.
0: It is, but you know, going back to the discussion about insurance companies covering these types of tests or not, I know that the only way to get more insurance companies to cover these things is to call them and ask for it. Insurance mm-hmm. companies do react partially on demand, you know, based on demand of their insurance. So it, while it might not be a quick process or something that would always end up being covered, insurance companies are never going to cover something if they don't think people are going to want it. And, you know, patients and consumers need to talk to their doctors about these tests and start asking about them. And then they need to call their insurance companies and ask for them if it comes from enough doctors and enough patients, insurance companies will eventually respond. It just, it can be a long process. And I know that in this system, unfortunately, a lot of the functional medical practitioners are choosing to operate outside of insurance because they want that ability to be able to help their patients without being told, no, you can't order that test right now. um, But the only way that's going to change is if people speak up.
1: That's a really great point. Um, in my past life, I did medication consults for people, and I would look at you know their medication regimen and see you know where are they being underdosed, what medications could they be on um, that would help control their condition. And oftentimes, you know, it was a service provided by the pharmacist and frequently not covered by insurance unless you were 65 and older and had a Medicare plan. Um, and what we often told people is, you know, here's here's the invoice um, for the service, but, you know, submit it to your insurance and see if they'll cover it. Um, and even if they don't cover it, it's kind of um recorded as requests and as you said when more requests come through they're going to start to see a trend that this is a, a need that um their beneficiaries are asking for and yeah they the you know you are the customer and they right. want to make you happy so um so definitely keep um keep asking and keep um trying to submit it and and you know things can change
0: Exactly. I mean, nothing changes if people just assume that it can't change and do nothing. Every single person has the power to affect change. And the more people embrace that and actually take action, that's how change happens. It doesn't happen right away, but it doesn't happen at all if people do nothing. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I would love to know, is there anything else that you want to talk about with our audience today?
1: you know, I I guess we touched about this briefly, but I really want to also just, I guess, hammer down the point of, you know, a lot of skin issues can be managed with nutrition, and having a good nutrition foundation is going to be the foundation for good health, and so, you know, making sure you're eating a clean diet, making sure you're eating um, a diet free of inflammatory foods, um, and, you know, a diet full of antioxidants that are going to support your immune function, these are all things that are... Um, are not just good for your skin, but also good for your overall health as well. And, you know, I've seen so many people improve on um, a a clean diet that um, I just can't underscore that enough, that it just really all begins with the gut, but it also begins with the food that you put in your mouth and also how you choose to live your life. Um, But, um, you know, be very conscious about your food choices, and I think you'll be surprised as to how much vibrant um, energy and vitality you'll experience in your life.
0: Absolutely. That's just so important. And I'm glad that you reiterated that because, you know, that's something that you don't have to go through insurance to access. You can (laughs) always access healthy, fresh, whole foods.
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: Fantastic. Well, Dr. Ann, thank you so much for being here. Where can our audience go to learn more about you and to get more information from you? I know you have a fabulous podcast.
1: Oh, thank you. You know, I, I really enjoy the podcast. It's, um, it's a lot of fun. I get to talk to great people like yourself. And if people are interested, it's called the Food as Medicine Podcast with Dr. Ann. Um, and so, you know, once a week we release a new episode and it's about, you know, using food as medicine. Um, and it's stories of people who've healed themselves or practitioners who've helped their clients heal. Um, so it provides inspiration and practical tips. Um, My home base is always my website, drann.com, and Ann is spelled A-N-H as in healthy. And um, there I've actually put together a, um, you know, clean eating rule. So, you know, the top 10 things that I learned in terms of nutrition um, during my bodybuilding journey as well as just, um, you know, Testing out what I thought I knew and um, putting into practice and seeing what worked and what really didn't. Um, So these are the things that I found um, worked for, you know, helping me lose weight, improve my blood work, and my energy. So you know, when you go to drann.com, you can put your name in and you'll get that free guide. Um, And then if you're interested in you know following up and you know maybe figuring out your health further, you can always work with me, and that's drann.com slash work, and um, I'd be happy to help you figure out what's going on with, you know, um, whatever you might be experiencing.
0: And you work with people all over the world.
1: Yes, yes, I do. Um, you know, I do keep, you know, maybe very few appointments on a weekly basis, but um, I do work with people one-on-one to help them figure out their health challenges um, from the functional perspective. And we meet via Skype, you know, or Zoom or just some sort of virtual way, um, face-to-face. And I review labs. I see what's going on, um, make nutrition recommendations, um, you know, follow-up blood work um, that kind of thing so
0: fantastic well thank you so much for being here and i can't wait to talk to you again soon
1: it's been fun thanks so much rachel thanks
0: so much again to dr anne for joining us today and thanks to you for watching or listening and if you want to connect more with dr anne to get her the clean eating rules how to lose weight improve your biometrics and get more energy Goody, be sure to go on over to DrAnne.com and you'll also want to catch her podcast on iTunes, DrAnne.com slash iTunes. And if you are interested in booking a consultation with Dr. Anne, go to DrAnne.com slash work to get help with optimizing your nutrition, addressing food sensitivities and healing your gut. And remember that's dranneanh.com. Did you like the show today? I sure hope so. If you did, come on over to holisticallyhote.com. Be sure to leave a comment on the blog post. And also be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and to the podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. I'm Rachel Pontillo. Have a great day and I will talk to you soon.